morning, Cross Point Community Church family. I want to tell you, it is so good to see you. Uh, we've missed you. Here we are enduring this isolation. I hope you are enduring well. So we're going to, in the next couple of weeks, be in some Old Testament passages of comfort, guidance. Today we're going to be in Psalm 46. So I want to encourage you with this. Grab your Bibles, grab your outlines, print them out, your family members, uh, maybe good food this time, since some of us are going all, already gaining our COVID-19. <laughs> and then come out to your couch, grab your computer, and let's study God's Word together this morning. Would you join me? Well, thank you for joining us for study again today. I just want to start off the study this morning with uh, just a, a special word of thanks. I want to thank Mark Barons. I want to thank Matt King. I want to thank so many others who have made this online church thing possible, uh, who've invested so many hours into making this possible for us at Crosspoint Community Church and for you on your couch this morning, on your desk, wherever you might be, with your coffee, donuts, cinnamon rolls, whatever it might be, they've made this possible, especially last week. Uh, we're not professionals around here. <laughs> I want to tell you, I praise God for the hours put in just to make last week's Easter service special. Um, Mark coming to the table, and he, he is actually a professional at this, but the ideas he brought to make this possible for you and for me. So I just want to start off the service this morning with, with the study this morning with a special word of thanks. I also would like to invite you this morning, if you haven't already, to take your Bibles, take your devices, and turn to Psalm 46. You heard me right. We're going to the Psalms. So Psalm 46 this morning. Again, I want to just, just mention this, that you can find the outline online. There should be a link. Uh, please find that outline if you can. And here's why. Because we're not only going to have to take our devices and our Bibles this morning, we're going to have to grab our thinking caps. Uh, I don't want to just give a, a short little challenge this morning that, that doesn't encourage us to think through the text. I want us to really navigate through this text with some very familiar verses, but there's more to this text than just the familiar verses. So I want us to engage in this passage this morning. So I hope you're ready from young to old to engage in this text today. Why Psalm 46? Why, why going to the Psalms? Well, we've been praying through this. Um, this is so, so much of an uncertain time in our minds. And, and what we've been really praying about is, God, give us grace to go attach ourselves to texts of scriptures that will encourage our hearts. Give us comfort and guidance through times of uncertainty. So that's what we're going to do for the next couple weeks, possibly months, is go attach ourselves to some Old Testament texts of scriptures that have provided great guidance and comfort for, for millennia. Uh, to millions of, of worshipers of God, followers of Jesus Christ. Here's the purpose, to redirect our thinking to the goodness and grace of an almighty God. He is always good. So you can expect on the next couple Sunday mornings, uh, indefinitely really, that we spend time in some of these Old Testament texts. Before we jump into the text today though, would you join me as we approach God's throne of grace and just pray his blessing on our study this morning. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. Even through times of frustrations and uncertainties, 
through trials, through suffering, we can be reminded that you are always good and you are always gracious. And so I do pray today, Father, that you would guide our thoughts in this regard. Let us meditate on the powerful truths of the scriptures that guide us to your goodness, your grace. Bless our study now, I pray, for those sitting at home or on their office desk or wherever they might be. And for me as well, God, guide my thoughts this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, how do you honestly feel when you hear these particular words? Pressure. Stress. Busyness. Tension. Drama. Trauma. How are you feeling right now with those words? I mean, what pictures are coming to your mind when you hear this? Fix it now. Communicate it better. Perform it more precisely. Implement it more efficiently. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is the drive of our culture. This is the life we live, so many of us. The pressure, the stress, and our minds race, constantly racing. It's undeniable. The next phone call, the next text message, the next voicemail, the next email, the next post, the next episode, the next briefing, the next newscast. Our minds are just constantly racing. Our, high, our hearts are disquieted within us. And tech? Oh dear. Tech is meant to make all of our lives simpler. Instead, it has ended up weaving our lives into a tangled mess so often of expectations and opportunities and perceptions and if we perchance do get a spare moment to think what does what do our minds do our minds race they race to uncertainty the uncertainty of something that we can't quite figure out have you been there our minds race to things like the news of the spread of a global pandemic or even as of recently the resurgence, the possible resurgence of a global pandemic. Our minds race to something like, like in my own soul, the strong apprehensions about governmental control, socialistic ideals, infringed rights. That's where my mind goes. <clears throat> my mind and our minds might race to <clears throat> something like this. Good citizens find lots of money, while criminal citizens are let go free. Have you tried to wrap your mind around that this week? I mean, I find my mind just getting frustrated. Not just the normal tasks of life, but this unsettled nature within me. We, we become worked up, frustrated, because why? We can't fix it. We can't completely figure it out. And we can't control it the way we think we should. And what disturbs so many of us, honestly, is when we are told by our government to stay at home for the next however months. You know what I'm talking about because you're home right now. <laughs> what? Really? How in the world is that going to work? 
You don't know my life. I cannot do this. You tampered with the norm. For some, initially, this might actually seem enticing. I mean, we all worked through this in our minds. What? Yeah, we're told to stay home. Awesome. But then you know where we go with this. After a couple days, this stir-crazy mentality, what does it do? We think about the next task, the next project, the things we're missing at work. Our minds, our emotions, our affections, our expectations, they're all bouncing off the walls inside our house with all of our children. And then, by God's grace, we go to the scriptures. And we come across beautiful passages like the one we're studying today. Where God Almighty, from the corridors of heaven, essentially is yelling down this. Hey, you. You. The one whose mind is going crazy right now. The one who can't sleep. Because your thoughts are racing and traveling a hundred miles an hour. The one who sees your world falling apart right now, emotionally, financially, relationally. The one who can't figure it out. God Almighty, it seems from this passage, is looking down from the corridors of heaven and he's saying one five-letter word, relax. It's almost like God Almighty is looking down and saying this, Hey you, chill out! Honestly, I look at this passage, Psalm 46, and I think it very well could be titled in our Bibles, The Chill Out Passage of the Old Testament. And it's meant to be sung as a song like this. Be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Would you join me this morning in reading the rest of this psalm? Verse 10 that I just read is one we know well. But what about the rest of this beautiful psalm? Psalm 46 says this, God, the Holy Spirit, leading his people to write this Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the cities of God, the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will hear when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation to the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Wow. What is this Psalm 46? Well, this morning I want us to actually start um, as we dig into this psalm, as we put our thinking caps on and dig into this psalm, I actually want to start with a portion of the psalm that we fly through, and that is the title. I want us to actually go to that title first. Um, the title is this, To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Clearly, this is composed, this whole psalm, Psalm 46, is composed to be sung as a song. That's so good just as most psalms are, songs are meant to make truth stick, to sing it over and over again. I mean, an example of this is my daughter, Selah. When she has a portion to memorize, guess what the first thing she usually does? A larger portion of scriptures to memorize? She grabs her ukulele. Why? Because she puts songs to the word, so she remembers it. She puts a tune to it. This psalm is meant to be sung over and over and over again. The title says this to the choir master, a song or of the sons of Korah. These were gifted temple musicians known as the Korahites. Uh, automatically, in our Old Testament history, this should trigger something. It should trigger a memory of a passage, Numbers chapter 16. If you remember Numbers chapter 16, Korah was the man who, along with most of his family and along with several other families, led in a rebellion against God's man, Moses. And if you remember back to the passage, number 16, what did God Almighty do in defense of his man and his plan? He swallowed up Korah and most of his family in the earth. Swallowed them up. Numbers 26 reveals, I mean 10 chapters later, reveals that there were some in the family of Korah, the extended family of Korah, that didn't hold to his rebellious persuasion and they held off. These are, this is a remnant that was preserved in Israel of the Korahites. Uh, this is interesting to me. Because how would the Korahites have been known? Oh yeah, you're the family. Yeah, you're the family. Your dad did that. Your dad is the one that was swallowed up by the earth. How would you like that reputation? However, when you look at this passage, when you look at the flow of Old Testament history, what does God Almighty do? He takes this family that has a tarnished reputation and they become some of the lead musicians in temple worship. When I see this title, you know what it yells out to me? He yells out to me the mercy and grace and kindness of an almighty God seen through justice. We continue on in, in the text, I mean in the title even. We're not even in the text yet, we'll get there. Of the sons of Korah according to Alamoth. What is that? Uh, there's different opinions of what this is, but essentially this would be known as being, to be sung by higher voices. Who are the higher voices? Generally young ladies. Um, so what comes to my mind right away is that group that, uh, that Steve Boone puts together, uh, affectionately called the squirrels. These young ladies that sing on some Sundays of our, of our quarter, they, they will sing, and it's a beautiful thing to hear these young ladies sing. I mean, when I think of this, though, I think especially in this text, it's talking about wars 
and the, the world raging, the earth falling apart, who in your mind would be one of the most vulnerable people groups in all of this situation? Yeah, young ladies. Can't really do much about it, but they can do something about it. They can sing praise to an almighty God. So even in the title, what do we have? We have a group of people with tarnished reputations who've written a song to be sung by some of the most vulnerable parts or, or people groups in all of Israel. And they are to sing this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Now, as we transition away from just the title, as we keep our thinking caps on, I want us to raise above, rise above this text, Psalm 46. And I know not everyone would be interested in this, but I do know some would be. When you look at these texts, there's, there's beautiful poetry happening. When you look at these psalms, sometimes we just fly through them, but there's actual beautiful poetry happening. This is a psalm known as a strophe. What is that? It's a song, very simply, with stanzas. This has three stanzas. This actual Psalm 46 has three stanzas. How do we know this? Well, if you look at the end of the stanzas, there's a clear identifier, and you already know what it is. It's one word. It's the word Selah. At the end of verse 3, at the end of verse 7, at the end of verse 11, what does Selah mean? Selah means to break and exalt. It means to pause and meditate. It means to worship. The stanzas are also noticed, and I love this, through dynamic confessions. I mean, not just the word Selah, but in each one of these three stanzas, and, and I've designated this on your handout, you can see these stanzas. You'll find a section in bold, and this is the primary confession of that stanza. The confession of the first stanza is this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What's the confession of the next two stanzas? Here it is. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Through the three stanzas of Psalm 46, we can find a clear interplay between two concepts. And this is what I want to point out today. In all of this background, all this con context, I want us to realize this interplay in this beautiful psalm of instability and stability. Instability and stability. We must not fear. Here's the clear, crystal clear theme. We must not fear the instability of this life. However, or rather, we must calmly find our stability. In God Almighty, in our God. I mean, that, that, that's the basics of this entire psalm. Well, let's develop those themes. Would you follow along this morning as we develop those thoughts, starting with this one? We must not fear the instability of this life. Verse 1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Two words. Trouble and fear. Think of those. I mean, in, this, in these two verses, two words. Trouble and fear. Both of these designating this instability in this life. The word trouble means travail, distress, suffering. And I might 
just make a quick point here, a quick note that even in the Old Testament, I mean, this is a, this is a hot topic these days and, and, and theology, but as you go through the scriptures, even in the Old Testament text, it's very clear that God Almighty doesn't just extract his worshipers from suffering and trials. He does not make them immune to suffering and trials. No, he guides them through suffering and trials and teaches them to trust through suffering and trials. Trouble, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The word fear means to be terrified, petrified, touched with panic. We could talk about fear for a while. Um, but I, but I want to acknowledge this in, in one sense, and we need to acknowledge this. Fear is actually a, a healthy emotion given to us by an almighty God. Have you thought about this? In order to practically protect ourselves. However, when you go through this like theology of fear in the scriptures, you realize very quickly that fear, this 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 idea we have to protect ourselves, this premonition to protect ourselves, is something that is not to be held on to. This fear is not something that we harbor and allow to fester. No, fears in the scriptures are meant to be released. They're meant to be deflected. They're meant to be redirected. I love this. Why? Because of a greater fear. Scripture is very clear on this. And what is our greater fear? It is a fear of God. It is a righteous reverence, a holy reverence, an awe of a holy God. So when you go through the scriptures, what is this fear? This healthy fear that God's given us to protect ourselves is not to be harbored. It is to be redirected in awe to an almighty God. This passage says, therefore, we will not fear. We We will not harbor this fear in time of trouble. So that concept of fear kind of leaves us wanting more information. Okay, what about this fear? What exactly is the psalmist talking about here? Well, very clearly, the sons of Korah start to give us illustrations describing this fear, and they start with the instability of nature. Fear with the instability of nature around us. Can we see that in this text? Four descriptions. Think of these four descriptions. Uh, And and actually, some, just to to start off this discussion, some think of these four descriptions as being hypothetical, maybe even mythical. Uh, Others think of them as being eschatological, which means in the future. Um, I I tend to think of them as being extremely practical. What am I talking about? Well, look with me at the text, verses 2 and 3. Though the earth gives way, though the earth is changed, I think very possibly this is just practically talking about earthquakes. Not uncommon in Israel, sitting along this Jordan River Valley. In fact, the historian Josephus in 31 BC talks, uh, records of this earthquake that killed 30,000 people. This is not uncommon in this region. And the psalmist says nature, nature, this instability of nature, I think he's referring to earthquakes here very possibly. There's others' opinions there. But then he moves on. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. I think very practically this is possibly referring to volcanic activity. I'm not going to say that dogmatically, but I think this could be what it's talking about. He goes on to the next little description. Though the waters roar and foam. Uh, Very possibly this could be referring to a hurricane and cyclone in the Mediterranean. It's funny, ironic. 
Actually, they have a name for it. It's called a medicane. <laughs> this medicane in the Mediterranean that people knew about. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, possibly again referring to earthquakes, but also very possibly referring to common flash flooding that goes on in Israel in their arid region. A flash flooding that very quickly rearranges topography. Uh, That's very possibly what this is talking about. Whatever the case is, the psalmist here, and by the way, uh, I just want to insert this. Did the sons of Korah understand the practical concept of the earth moving? Absolutely. What happened to Korah? The earth opened up and swallowed him. Whatever the case here, the psalmist, the Korahites here, are clearly referring to very obvious instability of the nature around us. But they don't stop there, do they? Not only do they talk about the instability of nature, they talk about the instability of nations. If we look with me at verse 6, look very clearly there at verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Wow. The nations rage. They murmur, and I love actually the terminology here. It can be used in other texts for this. The growl of a dog. The roar of a bear. Think of that. The nations are roaring like a bear. And and then it goes on. Uh, uh, Actually, in verse 9, we see the roaring of the bear seen by wars and spears and bows and chariots. But then the psalmists move on. Not only the nations rage, but the kingdoms totter. Oh man, Israel knew this in their history. I mean, they've seen this all over the place as they walk through history. You can see this. The the kingdoms totter. In other words, they slip. They're overthrown. What's the practical takeaway for you sitting there this morning and me standing here talking to this camera? What's the very practical takeaway? Here it is. We are often tempted to fear the instability of the life we live in. Right now, absolutely we are fearing. We're tempted to fear. The fears of instability of the place we live in. I mean, honestly, fears of a drought in February, very practically, is this going to cause fires in August? That's on people's minds. The fears of pandemic, in the same way, What's happening in February around the world? Will it happen again in August or September, a resurgence? The fears of certain governmental officials that seem so unreasonable sometimes in our minds. This fear, it grips us. The nations, the nature around us. There are practical fears with instability around us. And this psalm is a practical reminder to us that amid these fears of instability, we are to do something. Do not fear but trust. So let's see the second part of that equation right now. We must not fear the instability of this life, but now the second theme of this passage, we must calmly find our stability in our almighty God. I love this because in this passage, this song to be sung, we don't just focus on the negative. Don't fear. We now have strong arguments for the positive. Don't do this, but do this. Find your stability. And how do we most precisely see this? 
Well, there's two sets of imperatives in this, in this one song. Actually, imperatives in a song. Uh, commands, necessarily. What are the two sets of p- imperatives? Well, the first one is in verse 8, and I love this. Here it is. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Circle that if you would. The first set of imperatives is this. Hey, come, 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 come. Come and behold the works of the, go- of the Lord. In all of this instability around us, come with me. It's almost like the, the Korahites are inviting people to come with them. And that word come actually means, hey, walk, walk with me. Come and behold. The word behold is not, you know, not a crazy hard word to define. It is a word that says see. Come and see. It comes into my mind. We watch these HGTV you know, shows sometimes and these house remodels. And the person who owns the house is surprised. And so what does the person doing the remodeling do? Hey, come with me. Come with me. Once it's done, have this blindfold on your eyes. Come into the house with me and then take that off and see. And then with awe, they're looking around them thinking, this is amazing. Think of that in terms of this passage. The Korahites inviting Israel, saying, come, come and see. And all the instability around you, come and see. And what are you to see very clearly? The works of our Lord, which we'll see in just a minute. There's another set of imperatives, though, and these are the ones we most commonly know. It is this, in verse 10. Circle the first part of verse 10, if you would. Be still and know that I am God. And I love this. Uh, Because this is set up in this passage as coming directly from God Almighty. This is an imperative directly from God Almighty, as we talked about just a couple minutes ago. It's almost like God Almighty from the corridors of heaven is looking down to a people that are frustrated, that are anxious. And he is yelling out to them, Hey, hey, hey you, relax. Settle. Be still. This word be still actually means that. Relax. Be still. Settle down. It's like what I tell my dog when the UPS or FedEx drivers come with all those special treats. He can't settle down. And I look at him and say, Hunter, chill, buddy. You'll get it. Just wait a minute. He actually jumps on the truck with them. Get out here, buddy. Sit down. Settle down. You'll get your treat. This passage says, be still. Relax. And I love it, though, because this is not just a call to this passivity. It is be still and know. concept of knowing is be taught this. Study this. Be assured of this. What are we to be still and know? That I am God. I am Elohim. I am the strong one brothers and sisters in Christ, we can be still and know that God is strong. This is so powerful. I mean, when I look at this, I, I think, how practical is this for where we are right now? We must not fear instability, but we must calmly find our stability in God. And I might just add for clarity again that this is not a warrant for passivity in our spiritual walk. No, I mean, you'd have to go through and erase several passages of scriptures. But what this is, is in our normal life, the struggles of every day that we work through, we are to relax and know that God has not stopped being God. When we look at this, I, I, I love how 
the psalmists now just take this concept of stability and develop it so beautifully. To me, this is one of the most exciting parts of the whole sermon. We're going to close out with looking at how this stability is described, starting with the stability of God's nature. I love this. Verses 1, 7, and 11, we find this. Starting in verse 1, God is our refuge. Why can we find our stability in God, brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, those tuning in this morning? Why can we find our stability in God? Here's why. Because his very nature, he is a refuge. I love this. Like that cave that protects you in the wilderness from that blizzard or hailstorm, that is God. God is not only our refuge, God is our strength. This is so good. He is the mighty one. He is the one with a respectable, strong arm. He's the one you want to have on your team. He's the one on the other team that you don't want to face. He's the 215-pounder on the high school wrestling team that is just chiseled, and no one wants to wrestle him on the other team. He looks like a 35-year-old on the high school team. That's the one, the strong one. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our fortress. I absolutely love this, actually being the motivation for Martin Luther's song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This fortress is literally the high ground retreat, the retreat with extra fortified walls. I love that. And we we can honestly stop there. That, That is enough motivation for us to run to the stability of our God, but the psalmist keep advancing this in this song. Not only can we trust the stability of God's nature, we can trust the stability of God's presence with us. It's almost like the Korahites are almost bragging to God, uh, bragging and saying this, and even to the nations, yep, that God, that strong God, guess what? Yeah, he's on our team. <laughs> he's on our squad. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's very present. He's an abundant helper that is present for the task at hand. This is so good. It's like that that worker that's always there on time and always there for the entire job. The best worker you have. In my mind, I think of this, this family unloading their truck, a moving truck, and all of a sudden they see a van pull up with, uh, with a whole load of college guys ready to unmove the truck and the husband looking at the wife and saying, hey, look who just showed up. It's almost like this. Hey, look who's here. Look who's present. The strong God is present with us. And this is all the way through this text. I love how it's said in verses four and five. Let's take, let's focus in on verses four and five, the presence of God. God is in the midst, very clearly said in verse five. In order to see the significance of that, we need to jump up to verse four. What's verse 4 say? There is a river whose streams make glad. They bring joy to the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. What is this? I mean, the word picture that's in this passage is of this high fortress, this fortified city. And one of the most vulnerable parts of a fortified city is its water source. 
very clearly designated in this passage, described in this passage, that God Almighty is the water source that will never dry up, the joy source that will never dry up for those going through trouble. He is present. His habitation brings joy to his people. He is the river that will never dry dry up in the fortified city. God is a very present help in trouble. God is in the midst And I love one other phrase mentioned in verses 7 and 11, this chorus that's repeated exactly. Here it is. Simply this. The Lord of hosts is with us. Oh, wow. You can't get much clearer than that. The Lord of hosts is with us. What is the Lord of hosts? He is the captain of the hosts of the heavenly armies. He is the warrior king. And this warrior king He's with us. He has not abandoned us, and he will never abandon us. Brothers and sisters, friends, we must be still and know that God is God. We must finally claim, we must finally, uh, we must calmly find, I should say, our stability in God. Why? because of his nature, because of his presence. And one last reason here, very clearly here, is because of his glory, the stability of his glory. Verse 10, we often run to the first part of that. Be still and know that I am God. What's the rest of the verse? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Brothers and sisters, why should we calmly find our stability in God? It's because he will be raised higher. He will be raised to the place of eternal superiority. The God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God who created and sustains all life, he is our God. Take all of this passage today, and we kind of ran through a lot of that. And honestly, as we ran through that, in my mind I'm thinking, I hope you can take this and study through this this week, every day. Take another section and study some more about it. But as we summarize all of this passage today, I think we can summarize it with a, a, a statement similar to this. Through the instability of this life, we must calmly find our stability in our powerful God. Simply this, be still and know that I am God. So what? So what? Sitting there on your couch. How is Psalm 46 going to make any difference to you? Standing here, and I know that God has used this passage in my heart this very week to refine me. How is this going to change my heart? How is this going to change your heart? And I would ask this. What fear is dominating you right now? Maybe a physical fear. That virus. That cancer. That lump. That pain. Maybe a financial fear, that investment, that boss, that vehicle. Maybe a relational fear, that neighbor, that child, that friend. Maybe a national fear, that new legislation, that ridiculous, those ridiculous regulations, that health care, that social security. What are you fearing right now what fear will not let you alone another question here today is this through that fear of uncertainty 
will you find your stability in your powerful God? Through these times of uncertainty, frustration, stress, will you run to the fortress that is higher than you? Let's bring this home to here. Our time in redemptive history as brothers and sisters in Christ, as worshipers of God in the New Covenant, the New Testament, we realize that this stability is only found in Jesus Christ. Please know this. We realize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no man comes to the Father but through Jesus. We realize that we cannot fully know the stability of God if we have not fully known the salvation of Christ Jesus. My call to you today is if you've never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, would today be the day? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Have you placed your faith and trust in this God, the stable God, the creator and sustainer of all life? Through the instability of this life, we must calmly find our stability in our God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Be still and know that I am God. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is this, that you take these truths from Psalm 46 and meditate on them all week long. Dig deeper into God's word. Also, uh, a quick challenge. Be field aware. We've talked about this several times as a congregation diligently seek for those who are in need in our congregation and in our community. If there are needs that come up, please don't hesitate to call our church offices. We'd love to do whatever we can to help. Lastly, I want you to know this. You are loved. Have a great week.